0: Alright, so before we get into the interview, I just want to point out that uh, it ends abruptly because uh, my internet died out during the recording, and while I got it fixed, um, it was kind of too late to, to, to go back and record an actual sign-off, so I apologize for that, but it is what it is, but uh, it was a fun inter- interview regardless, so I hope you enjoy. <laughs> All right, and we're back with another episode for you lovely people out there in the interwebs. As always, I'm your host, Abdullah, and today with me is... You want to introduce yourself to the lovely people?
1: Hello, lovely people. This is Jessica Strauss. I'm a voice actress in Los Angeles.
0: And yeah, we're still doing voice actors because I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't be sorry. Voice actors are cool. (laughs)
0: Uh um anyway uh let's just get to the first question I have which is probably the most obvious and pathetic question you can ask but how did you get What did you I get... have
1: for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> what did
0: what did you have for breakfast? Now that you mentioned it.
1: Uh, yogurt and banana and some uh grapefruit juice.
0: Oh that's good for the vocal cords.
1: Yeah, the grapefruit juice is, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh but yeah, no seriously, uh how did you get into acting?
1: Um well, when I was a little kid, I was always putting on shows in the patio in the, at my house. <laughs> so it was kind of in my blood. I mean, um, really, actually, I came from a family that has a lot of roots in the entertainment business, but they were from Europe. And so there was kind of this thing of like, oh, we can't do this, which was really very interesting because they came from that generation. So as I was growing up, I had all this creative talent and i was always drawing or putting on shows or directing shows and when i got into high school i still really wasn't doing any acting and all of a sudden when i got in got up to college age i took one acting class and i knew i had to be an actress and it and it and it kind of surprised me and so when i told my parents they were a little shocked And I ended up doing it kind of against a family tradition of choosing the normal path. So uh, I went against the grain and I um, went and auditioned for a a school, a, a UC school in Santa Barbara. And I got into the program and I ended up getting a BFA in theater. And then I came back to L.A. and I was in a lot of stage productions and I pursued on camera for quite a while and I. Did a lot of interesting things there, there. But on stage, I I played a lot of characters. And I got into sketch comedy, which was a lot of fun. And so from that, I had an on-camera agent that sent me out on an audition for a Blizzard game called Diablo 2. And I auditioned for Amazon. And she was based on Xena Warrior Princess, who I loved. And so I watched a few shows of that. And I went into the audition, and I ended up booking the part. And I was like, wow, this is really fun. I don't have to look like her because I don't look like Xena Warrior Princess. And I just started getting interested in voiceover. I took a bunch of classes. I went and made a demo, commercial demo first. And um, I just started booking jobs right away. In fact, I did my first demo with Nick Omana, who's well-known in the business. And I remember he gave me a job working on some kind of game. For kids, I can't remember what it was, but I played different characters on that game. And because of my theater background and all the characters I played up on stage and in sketch comedy, it just kind of seemed like a fit, and I didn't have to look like any of them. So, it was, so that's how it started, and, and from that I got my first agent from, from getting work and then having um, a demo, got my first agent, and then it just went on from there. So, so there you go. Uh-huh. So it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. I didn't say, "Oh, I'm going to be a voice actress." But it 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 happened that I worked the most in that industry.
0: So it just kind of came naturally, I guess,
1: in a way. It did, but I think all the acting training and all the time up on stage really helped me prepare and I had a lot of vocal training that it, you know, I came in with. But you know, a lot of actors come in with all different stories. I'm sure you've heard it's not always they don't always have theater backgrounds. Some of them get in to radio, some of them come in through stand-up comedy, some come in through singing, you know, and do all different so there's all different ways to get into voiceover. but that's my little path.
0: I mean it's it's interesting. I mean that's that's the reason I did I did the show is because i'm I'm someone who grew up watching a lot of cartoons as a kid and I always wondered to myself, I wonder what so-and-so is doing right now. <laughs> you think he still gets work?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a competitive industry. Definitely is, you know. And um, so, anyway, that's how I got into the business. And then uh, back when I got in, I think it was like 2000, I started sending out my demo. And back there, then they had a paper called Dramalog. And I sent my demo in for an animation, for an anime thing. I had no dubbing experience. I didn't even know what dubbing was. And I sent my demo in, and they ended up auditioning me and casting me. So that's how I got into anime. And then, so I got into games and anime first. And I did some commercials as well.
0: And how was the dubbing experience for you? Because a lot of people struggle with that the most when it comes to voiceover. Because it's not... You're, you have to match the lip flaps, as they say.
1: Yeah, I mean, truthfully, I think it's the most challenging uh, in voiceover. The it, and it was ch- challenging on that first job because I didn't even know what, what I was getting into. But um, I remember they went a lot slower when they they were they they have uh, the bar set a lot higher these days. But when I first got in, it was you got you had a learning curve. There were many actors that got in without any training and you'd get training on the job. So you would learn how to work with the beeps and stay in character on the job. And so I was lucky because I think it's not as easy these days. Like you have to take a lot of classes. Um, but that's how it was when I got into it and it was difficult learning on the job. But I think the thing that kept me stable when I go into the studio is that I was really focused and in character. So I knew how to do that. So the acting and using my voice, having that kind of training really helped me. But dubbing is a whole it has a whole technical side that is is something that you have to learn definitely. It's it's it is more challenging.
0: Because you're just given like a bunch of lines and you sometimes you see the footage, sometimes you're not and you you're given like a limited time to to say your lines and if you don't yeah. get it right you have to do it all over again.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean I I'm sure you've had other actors on here that that are that have started in dubbing or do dubbing now. And you do it line per line. So you hear the Japanese or whatever language, you know, the mostly I've done Japanese anime. So, um I mean, you hear the Japanese and then you hear three beeps and then you have to say the line. And sometimes they want it very similar to the Japanese. So you have to match the pitch and the emotion and get it as close as you can to what you think the Japanese actress is doing. Or other times, like with Juri from Street Fighter, um, I would hear the Japanese and just hear what she's doing emotionally. And then I would go ahead and do my version of the character. And sometimes it was similar to what she was doing and other times different. So then you're just matching the timing of the line. But, um, yeah, doing it line per line, whereas in animation and also in games, you have a lot more leeway to, to improv. And it's a lot of fun to do it that way because then there's – you don't have to think about what the other person is doing. You just allow the character to come out. <laughs> so –
0: yeah, because the because you don't have anything that existed before that. They're making it as, you know, as you record. Well in <laughs> anime it's already done and you have to just like dub it into English.
1: Right. And there's a lot of restrictions as parameters that you have to do it in. Whereas in games there's not always so many restrictions. But except uh in Street Fighter, definitely a lot of those lines were dubbed. Like I'd have to listen to the Japanese. So I didn't, I'd have to match her timing. So if I wanted to do it longer or shorter or do something completely different and it was a timed line, then I couldn't do that. But yeah, when you, when you, when you have the leeway to improvise, you never know what's going to come out. So you're always kind of surprising yourself, um, with what the character wants to say or how the character reacts. So I like both ways. You know, one is you can learn from the other person's performance when you're dubbing. And, um, it kind of fine tunes your technical skills and when you have more leeway and you're not listening to someone else's performance, then you can just, it's like flying. You don't know where you're (laughs) going to land. So, yeah, I mean,
0: it's, it's much more, I mean, from personal experience, from the people I've talked to, they, they prefer, you know. Uh, doing, you know, the normal stuff compared to dubbing because they have more freedom to improvise and and whatnot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't it. I think the dubbing experience that I had was invaluable to an introduction to voiceover because there is a lot of technical skills that you have to learn in voiceover. They're different from on camera acting and from being up on stage. And so it really makes you learn them precisely and quickly. So I, I I and you learn from you learn about cartoons and timing and the different nuances by watching someone else's performance. So it was really great to do to do anime as well as games when I started. So um at the same time, because I was I was learning from both of them,
0: well, especially like <laughs> especially like with Blizzard, because with Blizzard, they just like get you in the recording booth and give you these like. Giant scripts and tell you to, to do all of them.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but they also, um, you know, depending on the director, because the directors changed over the years. I worked with different directors uh, through Blizzard, and um, depending on the director, sometimes they would have you do, the, back then the norm was three in a row, where you do a line three times and you do it differently each time. And it's just like, boom, boom, boom. So you just let the character talk and say the line three different ways. And they choose one of those lines to put in the game. Other directors might give you a lot of direction and introduction into those lines. And sometimes they'll work them a lot, you know, just depending um, on the director. And other times I've had it in other, with working with other game companies where they just want one or two takes and they want it to be a really fast session. So Blizzard, I think in my experience takes the most they, they take a lot of care and they take they take time with their sessions which is really nice
0: yeah because i was watching like a playthrough of like the first diablo game and i'm kind of shocked at how well the the voice acting in that game holds up today you know, yeah you know especially considering it was made back then when people didn't really care that all that much about voice acting in games but blizzard really you know, really put a lot of effort into it, and I think that's why people go back to those games is because they're so well done, especially StarCraft as well.
1: StarCraft Two. that's another one that's really well done. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and the characters I've played, uh, some of the characters I've played on, on Blizzard games have been, rep- you know, I get to reprise the role later. I did Amazon, she was called Cassia in Heroes of the Storm, and... um She got, so I got to redo her, but she aged. So it's kind of really cool that they keep that, keep the character moving and even age them up as they progress in their game, in their games. And I remember that session down, I went, I had to drive down to Orange County and it was my first introduction to the gaming industry. And I had to go into this building that looked kind of secretive. (laughs) And big, and I remember having to sign an nDA contract, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's like getting into the FBI or something <laughs> and I went in and everybody was playing um testing out different variations of the game on their campaigns, and I went into a really elaborate booth um and i was I was nervous, I remember, but uh the the director who is totally different now but different director they was I only worked with him once but um, he, he was very kind and he was really good uh, at directing me into the character but I also really studied the character before I came so they purposely chose at the time I was going out for on-camera stuff they were they purposely chose film actors to do the roles but that was way back when I mean I don't know yeah so I love working for Blizzard the the set, the sessions are always really positive. And I love the characters you get to play. They're all very godlike and ominous.
0: Yeah, I mean, and they take care of their lore. I mean, it's not not just you're playing whatever. They give you, like, an entire backstory of of that character and what their motivation is and what they want them to sound like. Mm
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They do. And in their sessions, they'll have the artists sometimes come in and – or the people that created their dialogue come in and listen. So everybody is involved in the creation of the voice of the character, which is actually really cool. I don't think that's always normal. So they really care about what they're creating.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you that, that they that they put a lot of effort into their games, and it's not just, okay, we got this big game. We need, like, a celebrity or something. Let's get Patrick Stewart or whoever to just come in do some, like, couple lines and we're we're done with that
1: yeah but it is cool when you have celebrities i'm sure
0: (laughs) no i mean i i mean i say that because that you know games that you know the game you know some games are notorious for kind of doing that where they cast like celebrities in major roles and they give like these bland performances and they're just there for a paycheck obviously
1: yeah although one game when i one of the first games i was on um was Blade Runner, and I just had a small part on it. But they used the cast from the movies, and it was really cool. It was really cool. I got to meet some of the one uh, I got got to meet a few of the cast members of the movie. But you're right. One of the people who I won't name, <laughs> one of the main main cast members of the movie, had a really hard time transferring her film acting skills to voiceover and her performance was too understated so it didn't carry through when when the game was published she just sounded kind of like she was barely talking so you do have to kind of tweak things for voiceover definitely it's not the same as film always
0: yeah because you're 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 basically told to tell an entire story and bring life to a character with just your voice and that's yeah
1: difficult yeah it's It is, but then it it is, but then it's actually. I don't know. For me, it seems easier. I don't know why. (laughs) Because maybe it's because I can move my body any way, and I can get the inspiration for that character any way I can, not just through my face, but through shifting my body or holding my. Where I I, a lot of times when I create characters, I I ask where is their energy in my body, and that's how I build a character sometimes. And so I might hold my body differently. It might look really weird on camera, <laughs> but, um, then you get to play around with that and look, and it is sometimes you're a little bit goofy looking, but, um, you, you play around with different ways to hold your body and you can create a character that way.
0: I mean, and, yeah. And then there's the, the whole thing about is it better to record standing up or sitting down and, and yada, yada, yeah. yada.
1: Yeah, I can do it both ways, but I like standing up.
0: I, I honestly prefer the standing up uh, to to sitting down because I because I've seen pictures of actor of voice actors recording their lines like sitting down and I'm like that looks weird.
1: <laughs> well, I think once you get into voice acting and you know how to pitch your voice and you're you're using your you know how to breathe properly when you're sitting and you're not cutting your your breath off. Uh, or holding or sitting, kind of in bad posture. That's really important, your posture, so your voice is yeah, full. Yeah. Um, but they, there's actors that sit all the time, but they're so good at what they do that it doesn't matter. You know, they 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 know their instrument well enough. But I just I just like to stand. That's just a preference.
0: So uh, how did the how did you get involved with the Street Fighter franchise?
1: Um. That was through connections uh, in anime, and I got called in to audition in their offices. It actually wasn't at my home studio. And even though they did auditions, they did send auditions at that point to, to your home studio. But I had to go in and read. And so when I got to New Generation offices, they handed me three scripts, and it was three different characters. I had about 10 or 15 minutes to look it over. And then you make really quick choices (laughs) about what you want to present to them. And I went in and read. And I read three different characters. I had no idea what game it was or even the real name of the character. And they chose me for a jury. That's one of the characters I kind of met went a little goth with her. I just thought, she sounds kind of goth and dark, and I'll just do this. And I started with a voice that I had auditioned before, that I think was a little bit higher pitched, and she was kind of like this, you know, something like this. And then I made her a little more raspy. But when I went, when I booked the job and I went into the session, I worked with the director to, you know, redefine what I had done in the audition and and create something multi layered. And uh, so that was really cool to get that part.
0: Especially because cons- she wasn't. Especially considering she was the first ever bad guy, female bad guy in the Street Fighter franchise ever. So, I know. You know yeah.
1: And and you know what was really cool is I, I like the Japanese actress's performance, but they didn't have me mimic her. So I created that voice separate from listening to her, and I still match her emotion and her timing, but I was able to do the what come in with the voice that I created. And the funny, and I've told this story before, but it is really that voice was basic was based on Jennifer Tilly who a long time ago go sat in on my acting class <laughs> cuz the teacher I had for acting in LA was fairly well connected in Hollywood and he and she came in and uh a couple of times and I got to sit next to her kind of or within her the, in the same room with her and hear her talk and she's a very interesting person and so I kind of based her loosely on Jennifer Tilly. Yeah,
0: because it sounded like a very Jennifer Tilly esque voice. So right,
1: well, but she's but she's higher pitched, and so I I ended up so it's it's got other stuff in it besides her, but you kind of mix it up and shake it up with a little Jennifer Tilly added.
0: It, it sounded a lot like uh, Jennifer Tilly playing a vampire. Kind. Yeah. of. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she's not, and she's a little more dangerous than her.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of. Actually, like looking back at some of the, you know, Super Street Fighter Four stuff, it kind of reminded me a lot of Bride of Chucky. I don't know if you've seen that, but it kind of reminded <laughs> me of that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I did uh, watch a piece of that. But then there's another movie that she did. Oh my gosh! And I can't remember the name of the movie, but I think that's what I watched. And I think she played a bisexual woman or a lesbian in it or something. But it wasn't one of her more popular movies. I'd have to look it up. Shoot. But anyway, that's the performance I really based it on, was that. Because she played – I'd have to look it up.
0: And uh, how much much leeway did you actually have in in, 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 uh, in the lines and delivery and and whatnot?
1: Well, some of the lines were timed to Japanese. And then some of the lines, I think, probably – in my sessions over the years have not, you know, they just give you the line and you say them. Um, Definitely the cinematic lines are timed. The cinematic lines are always timed because it's, but you don't see the picture in those sessions. So that's always kind of tricky for them. But uh, there's in games, they, in general, they don't necessarily, at least in my experience, they don't necessarily let you improv lines. They might add it in in the session if you said something funny. You might be able to sit, do it, put in a laugh or some kind of articulation, some kind of like, or uh, something that goes with the line, but you don't add words to the writing unless the, the director asks you to. And um, so in that particular game, I don't think I made up too much stuff, but I did. But sometimes the director would say, okay, just say this. You know, afterwards, and I don't even know if they used it or not. So mostly, I'm just reading off the page and making it come alive. That's what your job is. That's what my job.
0: <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of hard as well because you you're just doing it by yourself. You're not recording with anyone else, so you kind of have to imagine what 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 she would be like if she was talking to someone else.
1: Yeah. And you don't always hear those lines. And sometimes they can play the other actor in, or you'll see their lines on the page. And very often, you don't see the other lines. And so you're just making stuff up. (laughs) And, and you have to just trust your gut with what you think the line could mean. And then they adjust you, or they'll tell you, they'll, they'll give you some direction before you start. But, but a lot of times, they'll just let you fly with different versions of the line. Um, and you, you are just making it up.
0: And they, and just, so I just, and they just use the one that, that fits the other actor's
1: performance. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they'll go, okay, that, that was great, but this is really what's happening in the scene. And you're like, oh, let me try that again. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, after a while, because I've done so many games, you you get a kind of rhythm at least for me when i'm in a character especially like juri that i know you're in a rhythm of who she already is so it's already you already know how she reacts on certain situations so um usually it's just a matter of is she being cool here is she really upset is she fighting is you know and a lot of times that direction is in the script so as long as you're in character once you get going in a session to me um, the more in character i am and the more i know the character the session the session just flies so usually at the beginning you know there's a lot of stop and start trying to adjust and find where who she is in different scenarios so
0: well, i mean that's true of every role you're not you, yeah. you don't you don't go in there and you you have, you don't um, you don't get in there knowing exactly who the character is going to be until like Halfway through, I would, I would assume.
1: No, not even. I I think, well, a lot of gaming is a lot of improv. And so you have your stock characters. And so when you go into a game, you just have to go with your gut feeling of what's on the page and maybe the picture and what the director tells you. And then you really have to be open to direction and playing around with the pitch of the voice and how you're interpreting it and being able to change your emotions on a dime and change your imagination on a dime with the direction or a quarter or whatever, <laughs> but you just have to change really quickly. So improvisation is really helpful. Um, like uh, when I was in theater, when I came to LA for three years, I was in a children's theater company, but we de- developed all of our scripts through improvisation. So I had done that for like three or four years um being in characters and letting the characters just fly with whatever words came out of their mouth. So that I think that really helped me when I got into voiceover. And I also got I did take a groundlings class too. So I think I think those kind of skills um are essential for uh especially games and animation. I you mean, really you really they really actually f- expect you to find the character fast. <laughs> well yeah, otherwise otherwise you're out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I try to believe in whatever is created as soon as it comes out of my mouth. And then you have to take in what they're directing, what, how they're directing you, take those adjustments, but really believing in the character and taking whatever comes in and then growing, uh, with that inspiration from there. And the quicker you find that, the easier your session's gonna be. I think. So. There you have it, Kermit. I'm just looking at his picture. I'm looking at Kermit the Frog when I'm talking to Abdullah. But I kind of enjoy talking to Kermit because that means he's like a wise, he's like one of my favorite cartoon characters. I used to watch him all the time. I loved, he's a great character. Well, I
0: mean, I mean, he's not a cartoon character. He's a Muppet. Get that? No, right.
1: he's, not, he's a Muppet, but he also did cartoons. They also made cartoons. Yeah, movies. yeah, but Muppet. you
0: know, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and, and and were you shocked at how and how at how big Jury has gotten in popularity over the years?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I've done over a hundred games, and so I've had other characters become popular, and I've had recognition for those characters as well. Um, but I've done a lot of anime games where I'm surprised to see um, that certain characters that I thought were smaller roles had fans, had a fan base. <laughs> but, and then I've had, you know, uh, but anyway, with Jury, yes, she was huge. And I really think it has to do with how they drew her. And she was a, their, the first female villain but also I thought that whoever wrote her lines, I thought the writing was brilliant and they really created a unique female character for me to say those lines. So they gave me a lot of reason for, there was a lot of reasons for that character to be popular, as popular as she was or is. And when I uh, started doing conventions and it was mostly because of her, although it was because of the body of my work, um, I remember going to my first convention in Florida and the people, I went into a room and they were all playing street fighter. <laughs> and I think I yelled out, I'll get my revenge. And they all screamed. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, <laughs> it, it was a lot. It was a lot of energy. And it was, it kind of surprised me, uh, how quickly she became popular. And, um, and there was a lot of people that were fanatical about her. And then if you go online, you can see a lot of. I mean, every there's a lot of popular characters on Street Fighter, but and a lot of great actors. But um, if you go online, you see a lot of people. So many images of her that people have drawn. So.
0: And and and, and I say this because most you know newer Street Fighter characters kind of fall, fall into obscurity over the years, but she kind of lasted and and appeared in more than two in more than one game so there you go
1: yeah I mean I don't know there's a lot of other characters that keep showing up the main you know there's characters that survived for a long time in the series
0: yeah but you know most of the time it's just like more more of more most of the time it's just capcom someone at capcom going hey wouldn't it be cool if we had a president
1: character and that's how
0: made.
1: yeah no it's true some of the newer characters don't survive as long but um yeah or hakan
0: oil wrestler (laughs) he was fun
1: yeah (laughs) yeah yeah They, they have some really great uh characters on that game
0: i just I just love the fact that they brought nash uh Nash Giles' war buddy back mm-hmm. and, and he's obviously meant to be disfigured, but they didn't want to make him disfigured, so they just had him like have half his face stitched up, but he's still pretty looking and he's still <laughs> and he still acts like he he's hideous, and I'm like, dude, get over <laughs> yourself
1: <laughs> yeah i I have to I don't know if I've seen that character, but it's from, um, he's
0: from Street Fighter 5 he's one of the main guys from Street Fighter 5 oh
1: okay yeah I mean there's so many characters on Street Fighter uh, and I, I don't get to see him when I um, when I do the sessions but I do see I do play the game I do make a point of playing the game when I've gone to conventions and I totally suck but <laughs> they, but and when I go to e3 so mm-hmm.
0: No, I mean it's and and is it is it is it weird like going to seeing all these like uh, being part of a huge franchise of Street Fighter something that's still around to this day, especially after falling into obscurity in like the late '90s and coming back big time and, and with Street Fighter Four.
1: Um, you know, I didn't re- realize about their history until I got the Street Fighter book that they gave me um, because there was a big Street Fighter 30th anniversary. Uh, edition that came out and they gave me that and I started reading it. So when I got onto the game, I had heard about street fighter, but I didn't really know the history of it. And again, I didn't know until I got the job, what game I was on. So that was weird, (laughs) but, um, it, it now, in in retrospect, I realized I was part, it's really cool to be part of history, a history, a gaming history and having a game, um, That really was one of the first games that people played. I mean, it goes back so many years. It's, it's, it's cool being part, being part of the book and part of, uh, something that will be around for a long time. And I don't know if it's weird. I think it's cool. You know yeah, because, and also, because
0: because most actors like just come in and do like something, and they don't even know if it's going to be popular or not, but then they always no. they're always shocked that it's that's insanely
1: popular. Oh, I had no plan for that to be popular. I had no idea when I was doing the role that it would become popular like that i had i I would say that was shocking, but actually, when I first got into voice acting, I wasn't even aware that you had fans. I wasn't even thinking it. I thought voiceover was like, oh, you just go in the booth and nobody knows <laughs> who you are. And I remember um, getting cast on Wolf's Rain, And that became a really big series. And I played um, a, a pretty big role in that. And Her name was Blue. And I think that was really my first time when I started getting emails from fans and I was like why do they know who I am <laughs> and what I don't understand and you know and then that series went up on on I think it was on playing on Cartoon Network on Adult Swim and so then back then it was really weird to see myself on television and I was like oh my gosh people are seeing hearing my voice on TV and that that was shocking to me and I know when I started my career I was pretty shy of of having fans because I did not expect that at all. I I thought on camera, yes, but in voiceover no one's gonna know. And certainly social media changed all that to an even bigger extent, you know. That that really changed everything for voice actors. Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's just goes to show you how how big the voiceover world has become because, you know, a couple of years ago, nobody, you know, cared, but now it's like, there's this. Yeah.
1: Whole... <laughs> now I have to think about headshots and what do I look like <laughs> when I take my Instagram picture? <laughs> <laughs> and I used to think, Oh, with voiceover, you could just walk in, you don't have to have any makeup, you can wear whatever. But now because of, I, I don't think that's true anymore. It's just, it's almost the same. It seems as on camera. And, um, you know, parts, parts of me wants it to be back when I thought it was a little more private because that was, there's a part of me that still liked that aspect of it. And then other parts of me just thinks, well, it's really cool that you, I think voice actors have some interesting influence, more influence, I suppose, in um, not things that are just not voiceover. I, you know, a lot of voice actors post, I don't know, I don't get into politics, but
0: a lot oh, of yeah, that not... <laughs> is something I'm not touching.
1: <laughs> but no, we don't want to get into politics. We just do not. But, um you know, I, I see, I really like the voice actors that post things that are inspirational and it makes people think about things beyond voiceover, things that, treating other people kindly, to, uh being an inspiration. There's, you know, Wonder Woman Wednesday now and all the voice actors ret- retweet about that and it is things that are empowering. Uh, talking about things that are empowering, so using words in our voices to empower other people. I think it's almost like part of the job now. Um,
0: uh, yeah, and 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 you know, going to conventions and meeting people who you know get bullied or are told like they, you know, we're never going to amount to anything. But you know, just having them, you know, be a part, you know, go there and actually. Celebrate something that's so wonderful instead of just you know hiding and in and, and being ashamed of liking something nerdy you know
1: yeah I, I mean I haven't done a convention for a little bit, but um it's true when you go meet them in person it's whole it's a whole different thing than meeting them online you know and when you meet a when I've met fans in person, you realize that the audience is out there. You don't... Because when you're in the booth and you're just acting by yourself, you don't have anybody clapping or cheering you on. (laughs) You know, you just do your performance and it's kind of this... Into a vacuum. And and with with a director and an engineer and maybe a few people from the gaming company or from the animation company or whatever. But it is different when you meet the fans because then it actually gives you more of a reason to do your job.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Like, you know... (laughs) No. well in theater you you're in the 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 intra, the audience um feels your performance as you're doing it, and they, you know they laugh they clap they get in, affected by what you're going through you know so the story and the excitement of whatever you're creating influences them just like when you watch a movie so it, in voiceover you don't get that kind of feedback until you meet the fans,
0: yeah. I guess I guess that's true. I never really thought about it that way.
1: Well, if you were Kermit, and <laughs> then, <laughs> then you went out and met the fans, no, because you realize I, I mean, how much Kermit you realize how much you affected people? <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Because I did, I did like meet a couple of voice actors at, at cons last year, and it was like some of the. The most fun I had last year was just going to cons and, and meeting them talking to them for a couple minutes about whatever. Yeah. So nice And they're so nice and down to earth. I'll tell you that right now. Much more down to earth than like, you know, film actors.
1: Yeah, because I think, you know, voice actors, they're still working by themselves. A lot of them have theater roots, which is a very community-based, you know, genre of acting. And, and... It's not as high-powered, you know, it's not, we're not making millions and millions of dollars on our, on the films, although you can, animation, you can make quite a bit of money, but the, they're doing it because they're, they're artists, and I think they're, it is a very supportive community. Yeah.
0: And that's that's what's so great about it. It's like it's so supportive. It's it's not. There's no. There's not a. There's not a lot of competitive nature. You know, everyone I've talked to is like. You know, everyone's so supportive. No one's ever like putting anyone down. No one's like, you know, going after big roles because that's what you know that because they're scared of someone else booking it. No, I mean, it's 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 very supportive, and I think that's that's kind of what we need more of right now, to be quite honest. Yeah.
1: I mean that's definitely the mantra of a voiceover actor. I I would say, you know, <clears throat> that I think I think most people are really supportive and most people are really down to earth and you you meet really wonderful people in the industry. I would still say though that there is a competitive nature to it and there might be a few it's not it's not like rainbows and butterflies all the time <laughs> but I would say, for the most part, everybody's really supportive. You know? I
0: mean, yeah, oh. everything is competitive. I mean, every, I mean, every, yeah. and any anyone who says there's a there's a form of work that's not competitive is kind of bullshitting you because that's, yeah, that that's not that's not that's not um, that's not true because you're competing with everybody. Like right. even even if you're not going into a role, and you're you're still competing with someone.
1: Yeah, and I don't look at it that way. Like I'm, I I don't look at. I've never been a competitive person in that sense. Where, and I think most people don't. But I I think there is a little bit of competition depending on, in certain areas of voiceover. But for the most part, everybody's really supportive of each other. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and is it is it. Um is, is do you, do you, do you, did you ever can, did you ever see yourself like being as big as you are when you first got into the business or, or did you just think that it's gonna it's just gonna be a one-off thing?
1: I didn't you know what I don't even think I'm that big. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, thanks <laughs> um, when you know when I look at the credits that I've created for myself and you know I just feel lucky that I've been able to get that work. But I didn't have, the only thing I, that carried me into this was I wanted to be a good actress and I wanted to work. And that's it. And it's, it's really about just going in and having fun and, and, and helping them create a product. It's not about me becoming popular and famous. It's about creating a product that helps the company sell their, sell their game or their animation. And it's just like I'm a part of that cuz it, it, it so i don't look at it that way <laughs> i don't i don't consider myself big or anything
0: i mean but, you know cuz cuz you're kind of big in the dubbing community so if that means So anything. well
1: <laughs> a long time ago yeah in yeah. in anime i started my career in anime and then i got a lot of great roles i would say more i got and i and i continued to work in anime on and off over the years but i i think most of my work's been in games um, that just is how it happened, probably because I've got this kind of tough girl voice, even though I'm not <laughs> well, I guess I am because I play them, <laughs> but um, and I also like and so what was the question what <laughs> <laughs> so you're I'm like, I'm so big, and I'm like i don't I'm only five foot two. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, popular. Did you ever expect you were going to be as popular as you are? I
1: never, ever in a million years expected to be in the position I am in today. I would never have thought, oh, I'm going to start in voiceover and become popular. That was probably the last thing on my mind. It's, sho- you know, and it's shocking. It was shocking at first when it started happening, and I was, I was, I was afraid of it. And now, as time has gone by and I get a little bit older, then you kind of embrace it and go. Well, what am I supposed to do with this? Who so, you know, and and you know, like you just celebrate wherever you are. That's what my motto is. Is like if because you can go through periods where you're not working, or you can go through rough patches where things are always clicking because your career can have ebbs and flows. And so I try not to put my whole focus on am I popular. It's more of I put my focus on am i happy and and how am i living my life so that when i come into the studio i'm not just going oh my life is all of this you know this is what my life means is it's it's the entertainment business it's really about creating a life and then it supports whatever you're creating inside the voiceover community and that's getting way off tangent you can <laughs> sorry <Talk. laughs> So I don't even look at it as, "Oh my god, I'm popular." That's the main
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I say it because like not a lot of people I've talked to are part of like major franchises. Well, the, some are, but most are like part of like a couple small roles, but you know, you're part oh, of Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean when, when you when yeah. you really, when you really think about it.
1: Yeah. I mean the games I started with, I had no idea how big they were when I got those roles. I just knew I was going into kind of high-end studios and going, "Wow, voiceovers kind of wild. They, you know, get fancy mics and leather couches and whatever. But not every studio is like that. But that was my first introduction to voiceover, and I was the computer voice in Command and Conquer: Tiberian Sun, and um, that was a difficult role only because doing a computer Voice for pages and pages and pages is kind of monotonous, and so it's a lot of vocal control. So that was very technical. James O. Jo- Jones was on that game, though, <laughs> and he that's, has that's, a cool voice. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's but, that's uh, that's another series I, th- I wish they would bring back because that was a great series.
1: Yeah, but that you know looking back at those times i had no idea how big those games were and i and when i went to conventions i had people talking about that role from years ago that it influences them they can still be playing those games and there's a lot of anime games that i've done um over the years you know uh that have a huge fan following and i'm always surprised to find out about that
0: As it's kind of weird like watching wolf's rain now the english dub and and, and listening to all these actors and going wow Hard to believe this was a time when all these people were kind of just starting out in the business. Right. And most of them are like major stars now in the voiceover world.
1: Right. And, well, I mean, I it's kind of hard to, like I was on Fallout 4. I probably should have done my introduction at the beginning. But Dot .hack, G-U, I was Pi. That was actually the first time I got a call to go to a convention was doing Pi on Dot .hack for the game and I um, and then more recently Dishonored 2 is a huge game and I played a kind of a uh, interesting role on that it was she's Dr. Hypatia and she has a